Hey guys, it's Mike at Narcoleptic Customs Podcast, episode 38. Damn, we're rolling right along. Hey, uh, we have Chris Delgado, co-owner of Pro Speed Auto Sports in Houston, Texas. Y'all, this dude can tell a story. I'm telling you, he has gone from tuning 240 horsepower in a Hondas to being a part of a program of a car that makes more than 3,800 wheel horsepower. You hear me? 3,800 wheel. And that's just on the dyno. Then they went to the track and turned it up more. So that car's probably more than 4,000 horsepower. So he goes over all that. He tells us about his story of growing up, uh, how he was into computers, and then how all that comes to fruition. A part owner of one shop, they close it. Now he's part owner of this shop. I mean, like, it's a really great story. I can't wait. I, I'm glad we got this one out of the way because next time we're digging in deep, deep, deep on some tuning and things like that. So I'll stop talking. I will let you know three days from now, we go to Rocky Mountain Race Week. Listen to me when I say this. We are going to put a podcast out every day for a recap and interviews for Rocky Mountain Race Week, we're going to do a video on our YouTube channel. We're going to drop that every day. It's going to be a ton of fun. So if you have not subscribed to this, please, please do. We would certainly appreciate that. And you're going to get caught up on a ton of uh, of car-related stuff over the next 10 days. And then who knows what the future brings for us. So, all right, let's get to it. All right, guys, you're in luck today. We have Mr. Chris Delgado. I say that right? Yes, sir. <laughs> of uh, Pro Speed Autosports in Houston. Um, I'm excited. You're, this is literally the, we've only talked about 12 seconds before I hit record, I think. But uh, <laughs> you've been really good to message back uh, quickly. I know you are a busy guy. I've been watching your Facebook stuff, uh, the, obviously, since we've started discussing when you can be on the podcast and things like that. So I'm excited for everybody else to hear uh, what all you have going on in the shop and, and how the shop became what it is today. So okay. uh, let's get started. What is the the uh, highest horsepower, or let's say it this way, uh, what's the horse top horsepower of the top three vehicles that you guys have tuned or built? Um, I guess I would have to say um, Godzilla is probably the highest horsepower one. It, it, it made about 3,800 on a dyno, but it's probably seen, it's probably seen over 4,000 on a track. Um, big tire, big engine, big turbo deal. Um, unfortunately, we mainly no prep that car, so we don't really get to really crank on it very often. So, but we have a couple times it's, it's run pretty quick. Um, we don't really talk about the numbers, but it's, it's run pretty quick on, on a prep track. So. Jeez, um, that's nuts. Yeah. It's a lot of power. <laughs> it's fun though. <laughs> Now on now is that a, a like hub dyno? You guys hub dyno that or, or rollers? Yeah, I have a, a Dynacom hub dyno. Yeah, the first time when we did it, we we only went to about two thousand, and then we just did the rest of the track. And then this last go around, um, he kind of is like, well, let's let's put up a number. So we we turned up to about thirty eight hundred, <laughs> and then we decided to stop there, and because he's already been beating on it all night, and he had to get out of town quick. So we're like, ah, let's just we'll just keep it there. But we've run more boost than that on the track, so we know it's made more power than that before. Man, that's insanity. That yeah. <laughs> is insanity. So the video I'll do uh, with this also, I'll I'll lay a couple pictures of uh, of that car over this so people can see what the car we're talking about. 
Um, yep. Now you guys work on a ton of different stuff. Uh, there's, yep, yep. it looks like there's all kinds of stuff in there. What's probably the strangest thing you've ever worked on or tuned? Um, man, I, I got the chance to work on a, um, it was kind of a, a rust bucket car, but it had a old prototype um, LMP, uh, like a Chrysler engine, like a Dodge type engine, but it was individual throttle body. It was a, uh, oh, geez. a flat plane crank type deal. Um, and I think Great there was only like five or six of them and, and they were ever built. And this guy just happened to get one and he put some odd six speed automatic behind it. And it was kind of cool. It was on an old Motec and it made, uh, I think it made right around 600 naturally aspirated, something like Dang. that. Yeah, That's awesome. kind of cool, you know, fun project, just something different, you know. Right, and pop the hood, and somebody's like, "What the hell is that thing?" Yeah, IT yeah, stuff like that's what's up. That'd yeah, be- he, pretty pretty neat deal. I never saw the car again after after. I guess I don't know if he ever finished it or what happened, but you know, Dang. who knows? <laughs> that'd be that'd be the hardest part, I think, in in your situation. We have the shop here in, at the house, and we work on fun stuff, but it's nothing like what you guys do. We are part time and about twenty hours a week. You worked yeah. hours yesterday morning. <laughs> nice, nice. So, uh, so let's back it up. Let's uh, let's give people like the full story here. So, is is eleven year old Chris? Is he a car guy? Um, not a car guy necessarily. Um, when I was younger, I was real big into electronics and robotics, mm. and I was into like computer stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even through my younger years, I was computer nerd most of my life play a lot of video right. games and when i got right towards the end of high school i was building computers and setting up networks and doing um like system at men for small companies i had a little computer company me and a couple of buddies built and dang there you and, go uh, we did a lot of that and i taught myself how to program in a couple languages and stuff. but you know from a very young age i was always into like engines and stuff like that mm-hmm. i had dirt bikes and three-wheelers and go-karts and i was always tinkering and learning how to you know i learned how to tune you know small engine carburetor type stuff when i was a young kid by kind of sight and sound and feel and uh as i got older and got into the efi it kind of some of that actually still kind of you know it's it's in in the back of my mind the whole time like i i notice things that other people don't notice right away i'm like hey some something doesn't sound right or it didn't feel quite right you know like and you go always go right. back in the data and look at it and, and find out what's going on and so it's kind of that's awesome it's kind of cool and my, my buddies always, you know, they'll bring something over like a dirt bike or something. And, you know, they don't, their oh, thing won't run. And I'll go there. Oh, yeah. Hold on a second. Let me do this. They're like, man, you know that. So, yeah, man, I used to do that shit all the time when I was younger. So, you like, yeah, dude, 250 C, anything, 50 CCs and up. I got you. Yeah, man. Two, two, give me the, the high and low jet or the, 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 the needle valve, the, you know, carburetor where you pull the bowl off and you change the jets out in it. Like, I've done it all back in the day when I was a kid. So, Got pretty good. That's awesome. So was there, was there a family member or somebody that like got you into that? I mean, like, um, I got into the motorcycles. Well, well, the, my grandfather got me a dirt bike when I was about seven or eight and Mm -hmm. I kind of, I always kind of had to work on it and he was kind of crafty, you know, so like we would clean, pull the carb apart, clean it. He would show me all this little stuff. And then my dad was, uh, when I was really young was, uh, he did electric electronics repair and oh, uh, wow. he taught he taught me how to solder and he taught me how to like follow schematics and trace signal paths and stuff like that so and i didn't i wasn't i didn't truly understand it back then but i kind of had enough gist of it to where i could do small projects he'd give me something small to work on i go 
visit them in the summer. He'd be like, hey, change these out, you know, change these parts out or trace this down, figure out why it's burn up, you know, and, and, I, and I learned doing that. Now that I'm older, like I've learned a lot more and I actually understand right. kind of more like why or how that stuff, you know, works. Um, but, you know, it all kind of ties together with the shop stuff because, I mean, if you see my desk here, I've got oh, yeah. <laughs> test equipment and I got, you know, all kind of stuff going on building projects and you know i kind of tie the computer stuff in with the car stuff and that's that's kind mm -hmm. of where it all it kind of all melded in that you know in that that spot so right so what's your dad think about your stuff now uh he i mean he's he's not a big car guy but he thinks it's cool he likes to show off to his friends oh yeah check this video out some <laughs> some car my, uh my son tuned or whatever and i don't think he really understands a lot of it but he still thinks it's cool so that's good i mean <laughs> hey everybody likes fast stuff yeah yeah <laughs> Yep, yep. So, um, obviously, the shop is in, uh, from my research there, uh, is in Houston, right? Houston area yes. down that way, right? Have you always been down that way? Yeah, I lived in Houston most of my life. I lived in the country for four, uh, five or six years with my mom when I was really young. Mm -hmm. That's when I was doing all the dirt bike stuff back then. So. <laughs> yep. um, but, yeah, so but most the rest of the time I lived here. So That's cool. Yeah. So, uh owning your own computer company and all that stuff with your buddies. Like what'd you do before pro speed? Like, a Oh, I've done a lot. Actually. I, people are kind of surprised often when I tell them I've, I've done a lot of different things. I, uh, I mean, I did have my own little small computer company for a while. And then, um, through that, I landed a programming job, even though I'd never programmed before in my life. He's <laughs> like, Hey, I want to be able to do all this stuff. Can you do it? And I'm like, well, can you give me like a month to learn? And then I'll do it. He's like, yeah, no problem. So I worked there for like three years developing this database driven web app for this custom home builder guy that was integrated with the banks and all the superintendents. And, you know, like there was like everyone was, it was, it was a huge undertaking. It took three years to really make this whole thing work. And it was pretty awesome. And then I got fired and then uh, <laughs> long story, but, uh, and then after that I did. Um, so my dad also did, um, uh, sound and lighting video stuff um, for, a, for a long time and I, I got really good at designing sound systems and doing installs and flying clusters and specking that stuff out and I did a lot of that for a really long time and then that led me into I went back to the programming stuff um, one of the companies that I contracted for needed someone to do um, automation control so I learned Crestron which is like a it's like an automation system for you know, no, cool. for boardrooms and houses and stuff like that. And I learned that, got really good at that, did that for a couple of years. And then all that time I was tuning cars on the side for fun. It was like a hobby. And my buddy, uh, who's now my business partner, you know, he had his little shop and I would come tune cars mm -hmm. for him on, on the side in the evenings. And eventually he's like, Hey man, he's like, you know, do you want to, you want to just do this full time? I was like, you're here, you're here half the time anyways. And you know, we're stacked up with tunes now. So like, if you want to come to this full time, we'll just split it 50, 50 with you. I'm like, all right, cool. So that kind of turned into, you know, th this, that was the way, way early version of where we are now. Right. Basically. Oh yeah. I and, and I definitely want to tell that story because I feel like um, there's a lot of times where people are right on the edge of being able to do that. And then yeah. they're like, Oh no, I can't, I can't leave this job to do that. But like, I mean, you guys have done a great job with all the stuff you've, you've done. So Let's let's tell that story in just a second. Um, now, family life. Are you you married? You got kids? Do you have to juggle work and that? 
Yeah, I've been married 13 years. I've got three kids, uh, two daughters and a son. Um, my wife is pretty understanding. She, um, you know, like she follows her passion. I follow my passion. And when we have time, we hang out, you know, and that's kind of how <laughs> she don't, she doesn't really bug me about working a lot because the, ba- pill, the bills get paid and she gets taken yep. care of the kids get taken care of and she knows I'm not out with hookers all night. So, <laughs> so. it's funny. Cause that, that's what I always tell mine. I'm like, listen, you know where I'm at? I'm out back, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> or yeah, we get along well. She, or whatever. She, she kind of, she kind of likes to do her own thing most of the time anyways. And, and she's not really into the car stuff. So it kind of works out and, you know, I do my no. thing. She does her thing. And oh, so we, that's we, one thing we got in common. Yeah. Yeah. We meet <laughs> up on the weekends and hang out. So, <laughs> yep. That's awesome. So before we, before we get into the, the pro speed, I was story. Uh, let's tell everybody that's listening where they can find you. Cause like, I mean, give us the social media sites, uh, website, uh, phone number stuff. And then I'm also going to link all that stuff down in the show notes. Yeah, no problem. Um, we have a website, prospeedautosports.com. Um, there's a web store on there. A lot of people don't know. Um, while we do have a presence for building really crazy fast cars, our main business is actually um, parts manufacturing. Um, we develop what? a lot of parts. Yeah, we actually develop a lot of parts. We've OEM'd parts for some other big shops over the years. Dang. And um, through that, been able to build capital. We just bought two CNC machines. Um, you know, so now we don't have to outsource anymore, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, we have a two in-house 3d printers. Um, we used to have a ferro arms laser scanner. We've got, now we got CNC machines. We've got two full-time guys that do solid works and design. And, and so we, we're, we're, now that we have our own machines, the biggest problem over the last couple of years has been, um, you know, we would outsource to get the machining done. It would come back and it'd be wrong. And it would just be a lot of time or be six months later than it was supposed to be. And it was just a hassle. So now we have machines, I think, our focus is to really start ramping up on the product development because we got a lot of ideas and a lot of things that I mean, I have a lot of stuff sitting on a shelf that's like in testing that's soon to release kind of stuff. And it's just, you know, mm-hmm. it's a time thing. We're, we're finally getting towards that point of the business where we can start really pushing on that. And that's awesome. So it's been pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, so website, we talked about that. Uh, obviously you're on Facebook, you're yeah, on Facebook, yeah. pro speed auto sports, Instagram, same pro speed auto sports. Um, you can find, I mean, we've, uh, we've got a full-time media guy now, so he keeps that, I mean, almost every day we try to keep that updated yep. and something new and fresh on there. Um, yeah. there's a lot and going on here. So I, I feel for <laughs> that guy. We, we run the social media for another shop here locally and I'm, I'm always like, dude, I, come give me stuff, give me stuff. Cause I can't yeah. replace every day to take pictures. So we have, we have so much going on. It's like, we never really run out of content. It's like, there's always <laughs> something, you know? So, um, that's awesome. So, uh, you said your, your buddy had a shop. Uh, and he, so he's, he's doing work, you're tuning for him. Um, you kind of gave us a little bit of the conversation, but like, what was yeah, so, the conversation with him and, and then uh, obviously with your wife? I, I can actually go all the way back, back to the very beginning. If you want to hear that part, it's kind of interesting. So I was, yeah. I was, uh, man, about 99, 2000, somewhere around there. I, I was uh, working, I was kind of hanging around. I wasn't working, but I was a, I was hanging around on a daily basis, this local shop and they built Hondas back in the day, like mm-hmm. all naturally aspirated stuff, no turbos, no supercharged, none of that. And back when kind of Honda first kind of hit the market and you were able to, to, to live tune those ECUs and you had to like had a little emulator, you'd dial the thing in, you'd burn it to a chip, throw it in the ECU, send the guy off on the way. And, and, um, I kind of, I kind of got into that early on, but I was, I got into like a, another software that was open source and, you know, I kind of, 
played with that because it was cheaper and it was you know you buy it one time you can use as much as you want kind of thing oh that's awesome and um and uh i started doing a bunch of like street tuning stuff you know and i started just pouring through the internet reading anything i can on on fuel injection and you know combustion theory and you know like just how and what an engine wants and needs and how to know when it's happy and when it's not happy you know and it took, mm -hmm. it took a long time to learn that stuff but most of it started out on the street so it was a lot of reading spark plugs a lot of feeling it hearing it you know it wasn't there wasn't there wasn't an easy way to measure things as to well is this actually better or is it worse am i hurting it you know so i had to use all the kind of old school tricks and I, i'm kind of glad it worked out that way because I think that's a lot of the newer generation of people don't really or were never ex really exposed to that type of situation. So they don't have as, as their, their toolbox is a little bit smaller when it comes to having an overall picture of what's going on or, or being able to compare, you know, the plugs to the log or, you know, the performance to, you know, it's, it, there's not, it's, yeah. it's just a little bit less of a, of a, of a full picture, not having that skill set, I think. So, so I'm, I'm, I feel pretty fortunate in that way. But so anyways, I was tuned in for this one shop. Um, just tuning all their street cars and I got in a turn. Well, if I back up a little bit before that, I did my, you know, I was doing all, all, all motor stuff, you know, high, strong, high compression, like Honda motors with ITBs. And we were making like 240, 250 horsepower out of these like 1.8 liter things yep. like naturally aspirated, you know, cool stuff. These badass, you know, $1,500 custom headers and stuff and just cool stuff. And then, uh, this one guy that worked at the shop, he, he got a turbo kit. And I knew nothing about turbos. I, knew, I mean, I knew how they work, but I didn't know how to really tune for them. Mm -hmm. So I started uh, messing around with that. And and we got it running pretty good on like nine or 10 pounds of boost. It, it lived, it didn't blow up at first. And then we went out and started trying to turn it up and eventually eventually it put a hole in the piston. And, and uh, that was like the first major failure that I had kind of like, I was like, okay, well, that's not good. So I started doing a bunch more reading and learning on turbo stuff. And then I got to the point where I was like, I got really good at it. And I was doing, you know, 400 horsepower stock motor Honda stuff, like on the street and these things right. were living. And so people were bringing me their cars. And so this other shop on the other side of town. So the, the, the first shop kind of shut down. They, the guys got tired of doing it, went out of business, whatever. So this other shop on the other side of town was like, Hey man, come tune our cars. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll split a 50, 50. All right, cool. So it's tuning some cars for them. And then, kind of a I don't want to say ghetto shop but it was kind of a ghetto shop mm -hmm. you know uh, but you know we made shit work and then uh we went to race this other shop who was my business partner now and uh it was one of their one of their customers against one of our customers and we had a little little all motor car but it had a little nitrous sneaky sneaky right so nobody mm -hmm. knew so we go over there and we just rip them like three times in a row just destroy them on the feeder and uh the guy comes up to me. He's like, Dave, my business partner. He's like, he's like, you tune that car? I was like, yeah. He's like, he's like, uh, you know, how I do turbo stuff. I'm like, yeah. He's like, they want you to stop by tomorrow. And let's talk. Let's talk. I'm like, okay. So came back the next day and I didn't really know him. I've seen mm -hmm. him a couple of times in the street. And one time he was talking smack and oh yeah, such and such tunes my cars and blah, 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 this and that. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, whatever. I, was, I knew the guy he was talking about. We were actually uh, friends at the time. <laughs> the other guy that was tuning his cars um but uh so i went over um to the shop 
And he's like, man, I got this car here. This guy's been trying to tune it. A different guy, not the, not the guy I knew. He's like, this mm-hmm. guy's been trying to tune it for like two weeks. Still doesn't run good. You know, I just need to get it. If you can fix this thing and make it run good, by the end of the day, he's like, you know, I'll give you all my tunes from this point forward. I'm like, all right, cool. So I went out and this was, a, it was a simple, easy combination. There's a few things wrong with the setup. I was like, hey, we need to fix this, move this, you know, adjust this, whatever, let's get it all right. Got all that right. I was like, all right. I went out on the road, came back 30 minutes later. I was like 24 pounds of boost on pump gas on this like street turbo Honda deal. Come back, I'm like, it's done. And he's like, say, no way. I'm like, yeah, it's done, go drive it. So he gets in it, you hear him just ripping around the thing, comes back. He's like, holy shit. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like this thing's funny. He's like, let's talk money. And I'm like, all right. So then we got, you know, we worked out all the details and I, I basically was tuning cars for him uh, from that point forward. And that shot. Dang. Now, now when is, when, what time line is that? Is that still early 2000s? Probably oh, four oh five around Damn, there. That's six, awesome. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, that first shop was 1500 square feet. Dave, you know, Dave was, you know, high school dropout. He had no education. He was basically on his own. He borrowed some money to pay the first month rent on the shop. They worked in there with hand tools. They had no electricity yet, you know, sleeping on the floor in there on mattresses. And he, he <laughs> basically built that business from basically nothing. Damn, and I came, awesome. I came in and he had, a, he had a partner at the time. Um, uh, and then another friend, Evan, who used to be part of our company, but is no longer. Um, and, you know, they did good work. The, you know, Dave would learn how to fabricate, learn how to weld. He got really good at that. And, you know, and in one year, we went from that building to a 3,000 square foot building, bought a dyno, bought two welding machines. We had like five people working there. And then from a year after that, we ended up in an 8,000 square foot building and Dang. we had brought on a third partner who basically like saw potential and wanted to invest money into to help us grow. Mm-hmm. So interesting story about that though, like right around that time before the new guy came in, we were actually sponsoring his race car and um he's like uh you know that like maybe a week before this whole thing happened dave's like hey man you know um if you want you know I, i'd be willing to make you a 50 percent uh business partner because his other business partner was leaving the company he was getting a job somewhere right. or whatever and i was like i was like i was like oh yeah he's like you know you you do all the tuning i'll do all the fab work and we'll just split it down the middle i'm like okay that sounds good so then like a few days later, the guy that we were sponsoring his race car proposed to Dave. He's like, Hey, I'll buy 50% of your company. Oh. <laughs> we'll get you, we'll, we'll get a bigger building. We'll get the mm-hmm. all wheel drive section for a dyno. We'll pay off all the tools. We'll get a plasma table, some fab equipment, you know? So Dave came to me and like, I remember the day, like we're, you know, there's like a ditch by our old shop and we walk out there and he's like, man, he's like, I wanted to run this by you first. Cause I already made you the offer. Um, but Chris, the guy's name is Chris. He's like, you know, we, he offered to buy half the company and, um, and help us get to the next level. And he's like, but I offered you first. So if you still want to do it, you know, be the partner. He's like, you know, we'll just stick with the original idea. He's like, you know, if it's something that you don't really want to do, or if you would rather go this route with me and Chris, he's like, I, I'll take him up on it. And I, you know, you know, basically the thought process was, well, he can inject money into the business. Mm-hmm. He can help the company grow now yep. because he has money. And you know, me, I, I was just, I'm just going to keep tuning. Like what, what can I really yep. bring other than just to keep consuming and make, yeah. Right. So I told him, I was like, look, man, I was like, this is a big, 
this is a big opportunity for you. And it's still an opportunity for me because I'm still going to be working at this place and I'm still going to grow with the company. I was like, you know, if, if that's the direction that you feel comfortable with, I was like, you know, just fucking do it. Like it don't hurt my feelings, you know? So he did, he pulled the trigger on it. And at first it was great. A little bit of time went by and you know, the other guy, he was a great guy when he wasn't in a business relationship with us. Once we were, once he was in a business relationship, things kind of went bad. Um, he was running. He, he had customers. a different. He had he a different mindset. Off. Yeah, yeah, he was. He would borrow money, and then he would he would borrow money from family to like pay for stuff, and then like he would overspend on stuff we didn't need, and then he mm-hmm. would tell Dave, "Well, you're not putting any money in the company, so you know you're you're not getting a paycheck, basically." So he basically. Yeah. He basically financially forced Dave to, to leave the company. Uh, soon after Dave left, um, I was getting kind of fed up because he kept cutting my money, cutting my hours, cutting mm-hmm. my money. And finally, I was like, um, I was kind of at my limit. And uh, I got offered I got offered a job by a guy in New York. Uh, he was a big guy in the Honda scene, uh, Chris Harris, Xenocron Tuning Solutions, whatever. He's like, hey, man, if you want to come up here and run my dyno facility, like we'll do like some sliding pay scale. And basically after so many years, you'll be like majority owner and you can just run it and own it. And we'll, I'll just take yeah. a cut kind of thing. I was like, cool, lad, let me. So we worked it out. I was like, well, let me come up there for three or four months and let's just see how it goes. He's like, look, come up mm-hmm. here for six months by yourself. See how it goes. If you like it, if you're happy with everything, you move your family up here and we'll make this thing happen. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I went up there. And honestly, like I was making a ton of money up there. Like he was paying mm-hmm. me in cash. Like I would take like four or five grand a week, like just, <laughs> you know, cash money. Like for someone yep. my age at that time was like, you know, that was good money. That's big money. Yeah. And, uh, but as time went on and I, I started thinking about like, man, like I can't physically tune any more cars than this in a day. Like mm-hmm. I was already doing three to four cars a day. And I'm like, I, I can't physically do any more than this. Like there's just not enough time in a day. And I thought about like, how expensive it is to live in New York. And I was looking at the prices of like real estate and the prices are just like, just the cost of living in general. And then I'm looking at taxes and I'm like, and I'm like, man, I'm like, I just can't justify, even though I'm making a lot of money and I'm holding mm-hmm. it in my hand, it just doesn't go very far. And, you know, at that point, I kind of, I kind of realized I'll never be able to go beyond a certain point because I'm kind of locking myself into this, the situation where I'm limited to only doing this one thing that I can do and I can only do so much of it. Right. And, and there's really no room to like grow from that point. And uh, so it ended up after about four months, I, I kind of told them that it wasn't really something that I was, I was wanting to do at the time. And like towards the end of that, there was like a Honda day deal, which is like a big race up there for the import guys. And uh, I invited Dave up, you know, Dave was working in a, a metal fab shop, just doing production welding. And he was making decent money, you know, things were going well for him. And I was like, Hey man, come down to Honda day. Like I'll buy your plane ticket, come hang out, whatever, you know? So he came down and, and this was like kind of close to the end. And I kind of had this idea. I was like, man, maybe I could talk Dave into coming here. Mm-hmm. He can do fab work. We can build race cars. Yeah. That'll be an avenue for me to like grow this whole thing, you know? And then I won't just be stuck only tuning. Cause at the time, uh, Xenocron, they didn't do fab work. They didn't really like, they, they had a couple cars there, but they weren't like a full shop. He sold mm-hmm. a lot of parts. He did really well in part sales and then he did the tuning. So it was, you know, so, so I talked to Dave a little bit about it. And after being in New York for like 
three days he's like dude he's like i would never move up here (laughs) (laughs) so then i was like and i was flying back and forth to houston and back you know every other week to see my family and then i had customers in houston that were paying me to come down to their car still um at other shops so yeah so i was like you know every time i parked my car in the airport for the three-day weekend it was like three hundred dollars to get it you know it was just ridiculously expensive so finally that's why i decided to just come back and then i talked to dave i was like hey i was like look it's like, you're a badass fabricator. You have a reputation of being really good. It's like, my, my tuning stuff is like, is like full throttle right now. Like I'm picking up a lot of clients. I have a lot of customers that are coming back. I've got a lot of customers that, you know, that are like in the queue. Um, I was like, why don't we open our own business, you and I, and a third person so we can have like a, you know, a tiebreaker. There's no mm-hmm. situation where we won't be able to work something out. Yep. And let's let's try it again. And he was real leery because like he got burnt. So like he lost everything. Like the other guy kept all yep. his tools. Well, everything he had ever Dang. spent money on or paid was gone with the company. So he kind of had a bad taste in his mouth. And it took me a while to convince him. But I finally convinced him. And so that's what we did. So then we opened up ProSpeed. Uh, actually, at that time it was D3 Performance, which the it was three. So it was Davis, Donalds, and Delgado, and that's kind of where the name came from. <laughs> And we started in his garage at his house, working on cars in his house in the garage again, and then got some money going. Then we got a small shop space, and then mm-hmm. just grew from there. Um, so yeah, that's, that's awesome. All, it was all. I mean, none of. We, I mean, we kind of just did it all on our own, both both times, you know. And right. It's a struggle, that's, but. So, <laughs> I, and I, I think you answered the. I, I typically like to ask uh, guys like uh, in your situation, shop owners and things like that, especially tuners. You know, is there like a, a known platform that uh, that you or a platform that you were known for back in the day? And I think you probably answered it there with as much Honda stuff as you did. Yeah, I mean, the Honda stuff was a big deal for me for a long time. And then I got mm-hmm. now I do a little bit of everything, but I think people really mostly know me for 2JZ stuff now because of White Rice and Jill Granis yep. and Jack Kudo and like a lot of these guys. I get a lot of calls all the time for 2JZ stuff. Um, you know, which is cool. It's, it's a, it's a really good engine and mm-hmm. make a whole lot of power on it. So it's, it's a fun yeah. platform, but, but yeah, do a little bit of everything. I do a lot of nitrous stuff. I do blower cars, turbo. I mean, I do everything. It's just. But. Right. So uh, looking through all the stuff, I mean, you guys work on a ton of stuff and I hate to even ask like, what are the capabilities of y'all? Because like, I mean, you can do it all. Like it looks like a little bit of everything. I mean, obviously tuning and, installs and fab stuff i mean are you yeah. in the chassis stuff too um so i wouldn't say i'm an expert at chassis stuff in any kind of way i will say that um over the last three to four years it's been my focus um i've really been focusing very strongly on learning chassis and suspension and um you know along this whole like you know path of you know, learning tuning skills and all this stuff. Like I've had a lot of mentors along the way, you know, like early in the day was the guys over at the first shop, Peter, you know, he taught me all the basics of tuning, like all motor cars. And then I learned a bunch of stuff by watching him break shit all the time. And then, and then, you know, I I got hooked up with ProFI early on when I was with working for Dave at, at the old shop. And I, you know, he became a mentor to me for a long time. And, you know, he, he worked at AM for a very long, he was the one that, came up with the original plug and play oh that's cool stuff for am like back in the day so he super knowledgeable guy you know they broke a lot of records he tuned guys like steven papadakis and 
like a lot of the, like all the AM cars that went fast back in the day, like mm-hmm. Jason and his brother were like behind those things. So, you know, I, I met with him and he took me under his wing and kind of taught me a lot of stuff over the years. And then, you know, I, uh, he hooked me up with Job's better junior and I, I spent a lot of time talking to him, you know, almost on a regular basis. And I learned a lot from him. And then when I started having chassis issues with a couple of cars, he hooked me up with a guy named Eric LaFerriere, who's a well-known chassis guy that makes a lot of cars go fast. And now me and him are buddies and I learned a lot of That's stuff from awesome. him. So like, I try to, you know, I really try to um, surround myself with people that know a lot more than me. And um, this last, like I said, this last three or four years, I kind of got to the point where it's like, okay, well, from a tuning standpoint, I'm pretty confident. Like I, I, I can, I'll jump into any project and, and make it run because I, I feel like I've got the tools and enough knowledge. Obviously you always learn more, but I have enough knowledge at this point where I'm not really afraid to, to jump into any project head on and, and get it done. Um, the chassis stuff, you know, I spent a lot of time with IRS stuff, independent rear. Um, and I, you know, probably, probably three or four years. I mean, really just really focused on independent rear suspension. And I got really good at independent rear suspension. Like my, one customer's got the record now for the 2J stuff. And my other guy that has a stick shift records on independent or suspension. And then I got, Dang. you know, white rice was hauling ass on an independent or suspension. So like, I got really good at that. And then my other customer, the guy that owns the Lucifer Cadillac back when that thing was still a street car, he had the CTSV record and it was like 4,500 pound car going 118s on an independent rear suspension. You know, Damn. so like I got really good at IRS stuff and I, I know how to, you know, make it work. I'm sure maybe there's someone out there that can make it work better, but I can, I get, I can make you can get it, work it done, pretty yeah. dang good, you know? So then I moved on to ladder bar stuff and that one kind of threw me for a loop because the car that we had was white rice. We switched over to ladder bar and it, it, it worked well as far as I could tell. Cause I was I didn't really know what, what it was supposed to do. Um, but it turns out that it really got me mixed up backwards because the ladder bar was too long for the wheelbase. So certain things about how all that's supposed to work didn't mm-hmm. really work the way you, you would expect it to. When someone's like, oh, move it here, it should do this, move it here, it should do that. It didn't, it didn't, really, it didn't really work that way like yeah, it was supposed your, to. So, your geometry points were all right so 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 that was a long kind of confusing time and i was like i was like man like you know i read all these books and you know it just doesn't make sense like what like what i'm seeing is not adding up to like what what the theory dictates and what people are saying and then you know later i i kind of figured it out you know actually eric was the one that kind of like explained the the piece of the puzzle i was missing but so i i got really good with ladder bar stuff you know we got that car on a ladder bar with and this was like a basic weak like flimsy ladder bar setup it wasn't it was like you know it wasn't like a badass setup that was for like a real mm-hmm. race car but this thing was like a, basically a, a jegs catalog weld-in ladder bar setup and the car went 110 60 foot and went 666 in a quarter mile you're and like any any yeah we're on to something at, 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 at 3100 pounds you know and uh so we kind of got that working well and i i understand now that i've been through the the ringer on that i feel really confident on ladder bar stuff the four link stuff was like the next big thing you know and and uh, i'm kind of in the middle of that um, i'm getting better at being able to look at it and see what it's doing and knowing which direction we need to move stuff to make it work um but awesome. I, you know it's just one of those things it takes time it takes a lot of 
passes on a track and looking at yep. data and making changes and seeing how it reacts. And Eric's been a, a great teacher for that. And I've learned a lot from him. So it's, that's where I'm at with it. So I'm not a chassis expert, but I'm definitely has been a focus for the last several years of, I really like, I can make the horsepower all day long. And I just, I, I wanted to be, I didn't want to be a one, a one trick guy where all I could do is make horsepower. I wanted to like, okay, I can make this thing run badass. I can make it last a long time and I can make it fast, you know, because the difference between making power and making something fast is two totally different, you know. Yeah, it's a whole whole different world, a whole yeah. lot of combo there that you've got to you got to get yeah. right. So, uh, in the shop, mm-hmm. uh, like how many how many employees do you guys have? Like, are there guys that are dedicated to fab and installs and things like that? Yeah, and it kind of fluctuates, but right now we've got we've got uh, we've got one dedicated fab guy, another guy that was a dedicated fab guy, but now he's bouncing back and forth between fab and running the CNC machine. Cause he's also mm-hmm. no CNC stuff. I got Dave, obviously is my business partner. He does fab, mm-hmm. he does CNC, he does design. He runs, does the books. I've got um, two front desk guys, um, sales guys. I've got uh, one, two, three, three technicians. And then I've got Zach who does tech work. He does uh, race car stuff. He does, you know, he can kind of do a little bit of everything. He doesn't really yep. do fab, but he does wiring harnesses. He does a little bit of everything. Um, and then I've got a guy that's contract that also does wiring harnesses. He's here like almost every day, all day anyway. So he might as well be a full-time employee, but right now he's contract. Yep. Um, and then I've got a full-time guy that all he does is ship stuff in and out. Like he handles all the shipping all day because we're constantly shipping parts. Um, he like loads the cars on the dyno and does, you know, just kind of does the grunt work, but his right. main thing is shipping. And then who else do I got? I got, um, that's it right now. I think that's everybody. Man, yeah. that's a bunch. That's awesome. And it fluctuates, you know, sometimes we'll have more or less people just depending <laughs> on what we, we, we had three full-time dedicated fab guys at one point in time. Jeez. All they did was like fab race car, like fab on car stuff. Cause like we had that much. And really we had, we could probably, we could probably use another two techs and we could probably use another full-time fab guy at this point. And, that's, that's awesome. It's so hard to find people. So, <laughs> uh, well, it's hard to find them and keep them. You know, like that that level of yeah. guy is like a lot yeah. of times that guy will work somewhere for a while and get a name, and then he, yep. he goes and does his own thing for a while. That's uh, what happened with the, the last two guys. They they worked yep. for us for a little while, and like one of them got uh, offered a job from Jesse James, and then the yeah. other one got a job over at um, <clears throat> um, not underground, but the other um, what's the other one? Uh, Dallas Performance. Yeah, and now he actually works over at T one, so you know he's doing well for himself. Right, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so. and you know it's because he started there. You know that's what it is. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, so. you know, I, I, I'm just happy like anyone that can, you know, come here. I, I don't ever have hard feelings when people move on to bigger, yeah. better things because you know not every, not every person is fit for every place. You know, like some, yeah. some, some could be a personality conflict, or it could just be the type of yeah. work. You know, you never know, but. As long as we leave on good terms, you know, I'm happy for them to move yeah. on and do what they got to do. That's I had exactly a full-time right. tuner that did all the daytime stuff, like the normal in and out stock ECU stuff, but yep. um, he, he got offered a job in uh, Florida and he, he went and did that. So I'm back to doing the daily, day-to-day stuff. <laughs> daily actually, stuff and the big stuff. <laughs> yeah, I actually have an intern that's supposed to be here next week coming from Canada. Dang, and that's gonna, awesome. Yeah, she's actually a chick actually and she's mm-hmm. – 
super intelligent, loves cars, very motivated personality. So I was like, Hey, look, if you're, if you seriously want to learn and you do, you do things the way I ask you to do them, I was like, I'll teach you how to do it and I'll pay you to do it. Cause that's cool. I think it's easier to teach someone from scratch than it is to try to bring someone in that already has a a way of doing things and maybe it doesn't necessarily line up with how you want things done. Well, having to, having to relearn and not, you know, dip yeah. on their, on their back. Yeah, it, you know, the egos kind of get in the way and stuff like that. So I think mm-hmm. starting with someone fresh, that's, that's motivated, that's intelligent enough to, to do this type of thing. And, and, um, you know, I, th- I think it, it'd be interesting. I'm really looking forward to seeing how, yeah. how, how it works out. So. Well, um, I, I do have a question. This is, so I'm on the website and I, I get the performance vehicle stuff. I understand like that's, you know, that's yeah. what we're into. Where does the, Toyota Tundra fit in this mix of <laughs> you offer a ton of parts for it. I mean, like, well, to, to be honest, you know, this is something me and Dave, we're, he, so our, our, our original business vision, I guess you could say when we first started was long-term, we knew that just working on cars wasn't going to be something where we're going to make a bunch of money. Right. You just, you're just not gonna make a lot of money. I mean, if you find, yeah. if you're lucky, like underground or somewhere like that, and you find a niche market where you're like, you can, you can like clamp down all the suppliers for your stuff only. And you can mm-hmm. like really just, then you can make a lot of money doing it. It's like, but what we do, you really, it's, it's tough, you know, like you can't, you're only going to get to a certain point and, and then you're, you know, you just, you can't do anymore. Cause there's only, yep. you only have so many hours in a day. So from the very beginning, we wanted to, design and manufacture parts and one of the platforms that we were going to start out with back in the day was the, the lexus isf mm. it was like the car it's like hey like we're going to make stuff for this car we're going to do engine management we're going to figure all this stuff out we're going to make it you know mm-hmm. and over time that kind of got put on the back burner because bills and getting a building and stuff we had to just do yep. stuff to knock out just to get stuff knocked out so but anyways so me and dave are constantly we're trying to look at platforms that don't have a lot of market saturation already, but that have mm-hmm. a large number of production vehicles on the street. Um, the yeah, Toyota makes Tundra sense. is one of those. I mean, there's yeah. thousands and thousands of those trucks out there and they all need mm-hmm. superchargers. <laughs> yes, they do. They all man, need so, throttle bodies. They all yeah. need headers. They all need a tune, yep. you know, and, and it's one of those things where like, if we can sell, you know, 5,000 fuel systems to Tundra guys, I mean, we're literally machining them putting our name yeah. on them, put them in a box and ship them like yeah. R and D we spent. Well, you know, and the other side of R&D and, yeah, you know, it's, it's, yeah, you're the, you're the dude they're going to go to because they're needing performance parts for their time. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I yep. sold Toyotas for like five years and yep. uh, was there like when the Tundra came out with the new body, you know, 07, all that kind of stuff. And uh, Gulf State Toyota who imports all the stuff from mainly the South uh, like Arkansas and Texas and all that kind of stuff, right? You you couldn't buy like a regular cab short bed two wheel drive Tundra through our system, so like you had to go to Michigan or something to buy them. And I bought one at an auction one time and came back. Oh my dude, that thing was fast. It was fun and it was just yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I can only imagine one with like a you know blower and all that kind of stuff on it. Yeah, and you know it's it's you know it's it's one of those like we're we're trying to come, we're just trying to find vehicles that like don't have a lot of market saturation, but mm-hmm. that we can, we can do basic stuff and get them in and out. Customers happy. We're happy. We make money. And there's not a huge, like, 
there's not a huge amount of liability. Like when you yeah. do a car like Lucifer or a car like, you know, I'd done a bunch of twin turbo Lambos back in the day when that was first getting big. Like when you do cars like that, the liability is through the roof. I mean, somebody oh, yeah, walks through the shop, imagine. somebody walks through the shop, knocks over a, you know, a, a chair and it hits the side of the car. Like, you know, to fix that, <laughs> it's expensive. You know, yep. I make a mistake on a dyno and I tear one of those engines up. Yeah, it ain't cheap to fix. And that's not right. one of those things where you tell the customer, oh, it's racing. You know, you, you're, you're on the hook for that at that yep. level. And, and there's, yep. there's no, you know, you got to. So, you know, something like bolt and blower, fuel system injectors and a tune on a Tundra, like relatively low liability, you know, you make decent money on it. And there's thousands of them out on the street, you know, and, then, yep. and you're not reinventing the wheel every time you do it. So from a business standpoint, those type of platforms and, and jobs and products are a lot more profitable. And that's kind of, yep. you know, our, our, like it back to the goal, like the original goal was we wanted to build and design products and we wanted to be able to pick and choose two or three badass cars a year mm -hmm. that we could focus on and take our time and build. And like, this is the stuff we do for fun. This is what we're capable of. Yep. But it's not like, that's not what we do every day because that's not really you can, like those projects. You almost, you almost are lucky if you break even on stuff like that. Oh, it, I mean, it's like, if, yeah, you know, you start to bill a customer a couple grand a week, you know, yeah. about 10, 12 weeks in, they're like, Hey, uh, yeah. <laughs> I see a, I want to see a change. You know, it'll be $200,000 in this car. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's, you know, there's customers that are, they, they know that up front and they're willing to pay for it. And there's other customers that get halfway through and they don't realize like how much time it takes to build stuff yeah. like that. Like they yeah. don't, like they don't understand, like, dude, there's a lot involved in, in building a, you know, we, we, uh, another platform that we kind of focused on a little bit is the C7 vet. Um, mm -hmm. Where now we, we, when we do them, we're only, we're pretty much only doing them with uh, Motec standalones now. Um, so we do the direct injection, the port injection. Mm -hmm. And at that point the, it's open to do whatever you want to do with them. So we've got a couple, we've done a handful that are pretty, pretty badass. We've got one now that's getting a Noonan billet deal. You know, he's trying to go like seven fifties, you know, Damn. full weight car, like AC, everything. And, you you know, drive it to the track or inside. Yeah. Drive it to the track, home. drive it back. It, it's been eight, it went eight forties with the, with the motor that was in it. Um, but it was a stock sleeve deal and we didn't know if we didn't really we're like he was on the fence he's like you know if we go to the right race i might just tell you to just just put it all in and if it lives it lives he's like <laughs> but we he found a smoking deal on this noonan block and he's like man he's like i'm just gonna sell this motor we'll put this this motor in it and we'll be gold and we can just turn it up all right here. that's so, awesome so, so we're doing that we've got a c8 here we're gonna do we're gonna start doing r d on that pretty soon Ooh, fun that one's going to be tough. Yeah. But yeah. yeah there's, if it had less space before it's going to, it has way less space yeah. now for stuff like damn y'all come on now. The, the uh, you know, the, the challenge nowadays really isn't the engine side or the drivetrain side. It's the electronics. That's, that's where the challenge is because like the C8, they haven't, no one's cracked the ECU yet. There's no one, you know, there's some guys that have kind of half-assed turboed them and they've made them kind of work with mm -hmm. some kind of hacks, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And they work okay, but like we're, we're, um, our goal is to come up with a, uh, you know, a, a solid standalone or a parallel ECU type setup where you can That's really cool. actually tune the engine and everything works like proper. And it's, it's going to be yeah. tough because the electronics and the, the security between the electronics and the car is making it harder and harder to, to interject and interface with 
mm-hmm. rings. Now, just to put it simply, I mean, it's obviously like so, a little so, more complex, but. Well, yeah. and here's my, like GM knows people are going to mod shit. Like, oh, and they, and they, want, they don't happen. want you to. Yeah, right. They, like, you know, <laughs> why? Why make that so hard? That's uh, so I have a buddy that works at comp cams and he was on the other night and uh, Billy Godbolt's going to be on in a couple days. And so we're in the mix of getting all the questions stuff ready for them. It's always like, what, you know, what's the next platform you guys are looking at? Is there an R&D team that's like, you know, trying yeah. to get parts early? And is that even possibility for big companies like that? And uh, Aaron had said that a lot of times they'll, as soon as like Hertz or whatever locally will get one, they'll go rent it for like a month and like <laughs> tear yeah. it apart and figure it out and put it all back together, you know, and get it back to them. So, so we, we got lucky because one of the customer that has that other C7 and he's, his two brothers, we built both of his brother's cars. They based, they live in New Jersey and they, they ship their cars out to us. We build them. Wow. They drive down for Texas 2K. They pick up the cars. They go beat the fuck out of them. They fly back, and then we do some maintenance on a car and ship it back to them. And then just That's it's awesome. kind of and, and so yeah. he bought two C8s and he sent us one. He's like, "Look, I bought two. I'm gonna keep one up here. I'm gonna send you the other one. Whatever you guys want to do with it, figure it out. I just want the thing turboed at some point." So, That's awesome. And so, so we just we'll, had one here just to work on and do whatever. Will we you do like to. a we do like a twin setup or like a big single on that car? It'll be twins. It's the for yeah. packaging purposes. It's just easier um, yeah. on that car. So I can understand yeah. it. That's really cool, man. I I need money like that, dude. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so how far away? Uh, I guess. Well, that probably answers it. Like New Jersey is a pretty long ass way away from Houston, but I mean, yeah. is there like further customers that have? Shipped you guys stuff to work on? Uh, I I deal with customers all over the world. Um, I've got two wow. cars here from um, uh, Drag Nine Six Five in Kuwait. I've got uh, we've had customers from Canada. We've had customers from Mexico. I mean, I've got customers from all over the all over. And the like, country. yeah. How do you get a car from Kuwait to here, or do they just buy the car here and you they buy the car and then we build it and then we ship it over? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, cool. I've been there a couple of times, so like I've got a lot of I've got a clientele, a client base in Kuwait. I do a lot of remote tuning. Oh, that's cool. I used to do a lot of remote tuning in Qatar, but the guy that I was working with, he he learned very quickly how to do a lot of it on his own. So you know, mm-hmm. he, every now and then he hits me up and asks me a question here or there, but for the most part, he he, he takes care of it on his own now. So so, so he's he's using your tunes and adapting them, yeah. whatever he's. <laughs> That's what people have said that. I mean, I don't really care either way. He paid for it, no. so it's his, you know. Yep. So <laughs> that's funny. Well, let's let's talk goals for a minute because okay. that's always important when somebody comes to you because not everybody goes, Hey, here's the C eight, do whatever you want with it. Yeah. Um, in your opinion, what what is something that a customer needs to consider before calling your shop uh for for their build? I mean, like you know, obviously goals, well, I want to make 600 horsepower, but like, you know, a number is on a dyno is just a number. Like what's something that they need to sit down and write out and then call or message you guys? Well, I mean, obviously the number one thing is budget. Like you really have to, you have to be realistic about what you're willing to spend um, on your project. Because I mean, that, that's usually the thing that is the first roadblock is the person's budget. Um, the next thing would be, you know, what's the purpose of this car? Like, is this something you're going to drive every day? Is it something you're going to take out on a weekends? Is it something you're just going to trailer to the track and back? Cause that, 
that really changes how you approach a build. Um, you know, somebody's going to drive a car every day. Like you're going to, you're going to, you're going to pick out a little, you're going to design that, that whole thing slightly different than a guy who's going to trailer it to the track back and forth. Um, so you really have to have from a customer, you, you have to, A, what's your budget, what's your limit and be, be prepared to, to stick to that and put it out front. I mean, even if say, Hey, look, this is my budget. This is all I want to spend. And then what's your goal and what's, what are you going to use realistically going to use it for? A lot of guys are like, Oh, I want 1500 horsepower, you know, and a, and, and a C6 and I want to daily drive it. It's like, okay, you ever driven a car of 1500 horsepower? Okay. All right. Have you ever driven a car with a thousand horsepower? Okay. Have you daily driven a car with a thousand horsepower? As like, you know, they, they, I think everybody wants the baddest, most crazy stuff, mm -hmm. but realistically like eight, 900 horsepower street car, when it's got the right suspension, the right tires, the right combination um, of, you know, the right way of getting that power or the best with the optimized way of getting that power level it can be a really fast car and a lot of yeah. fun to drive. Whereas something yeah. that's 1500 horsepower, you might get into a situation where you can't stand it anymore because the maintenance is high. The mm -hmm. thing's uncomfortable to drive. It's, um, you know, it's, it's a headache. So you really, you know, when people come in, they're like, Oh, I want 1500 horsepower, you know, supercharged C7. It's like, or C6, you know, it's like, okay, well, let me break down, you know, what that means and what yeah. that's going to, yeah realistically what you're looking at you know on a day-to-day -day basis of owning a car like that and driving a car like that yeah you know, yeah it's like not, max yeah. effort car and a like a max effort eighth mile car and a street driven 1500 horsepower car They're, yeah it's just two I mean, totally different things yeah you know but managing you know I, I feel like uh, managing um the customer's expectations and goals is like a super big part uh, part of being successful in this business because if you don't do that up front then there's going to be a problem at some point because they expect this, this, and this, and you're not going to be able to provide it to them for this, this, this amount of money. And, you know, if you don't let them know that up front, it, it turns out bad every time. So I, you yeah. know, that's one of the skills that we've, you know, my, my sales guys and like me and Dave, we're all like over the years have gotten better at and have really learned how to, how to do that, you know, managing a customer's expectations, letting them know like, this is the reality of what you're trying to do. Yeah. Are you really sure this is what you want to do? Because once you start going down this road, it's a lot of money and yep. you're not going to get any of it back. You can sell every part off this car. <laughs> yeah, for 30% of what you get. Yeah, you, you might get 50% of what you spend on it if you decide to quit halfway through, you know, like, so, yeah. you know, and I think that when you approach, when you, when you present customers with these things up front, I feel like there's a little bit more trust initially because they're like, yeah. okay, this guy's, he's not trying to sell me the most expensive thing. He's telling me this, this is less expensive and this might be better for what I'm trying to do. So there's, you know, you build that little bit of trust kind of right off mm -hmm. the bat. I think when you're upfront about stuff like that, you know, I yep. just recent, like I had a customer the other days message me. He's like, Oh, I want you to go engine dyno this engine for me. And this is this and blah, 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 blah. And I looked at this build sheet and I went through the list. I was like, look, this is, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. I was like, honestly, like, unless you change these three, three or four things, like, I really don't even want to mess with it because I know I will not be able to get you the results that you're expecting because of these parts. Right. And some guys will be like, okay, well screw you. Such and such will do it. Other guys are like, you know what? I really appreciate your honesty. What do I need to do to make this better? Because I really want you to do it and I want to be successful. 
And those are the guys that you move forward with. The other guys, you're like, mm-hmm. all right, you know, have a nice day. Best of luck. Um, right. That's, that's another big thing, like learning how to say no to people that you know, like if you know, and when I, when someone comes in and they want this, this, and this, and this, and I know with their budget that it's not going to happen, I'll just tell them straight up, man, I, I really don't want to take on this project because I, no. I'm not going to be able to provide you with a finished product that, you, that you're wanting. It's not going to work yeah. out that you want it to. And it's better just to do that than to take their money and have a pissed off customer. Yeah. One, one thing we're noticing, and again, we are, you know, 10% of the shop you are, but there's a, there's enough business out there that you can, you can explain what you want to do and say, Hey, yeah, we we don't have to do this. You know what I mean? Like we we want to work with customers that we, that we want to work with that want to work with us. So let's, let's stay on uh, streetcar stuff because, um, what in uh, what is a power level in your mind that makes for a fun street car? Like if you were going to drive it 90% of the, on the street, 10% to the track, you know, you're going to track a couple times a year with your buddies. Like what, what's a power level that you feel is makes for a fun street car? I think it really depends on the car. Um, you know, if you have something like a Corvette, let's just say like a C6 Corvette. I mean, thousand horsepower is a really good round number you can have a lot of fun with a thousand horsepower you can hook up a thousand horsepower with relatively low cost and suspension um you know like and and it'll live a while you know um an evo eight 600 horsepower eh, it's probably about as much as you want if you want to be reliable you know like it really depends on the car and that's you know a viper uh, you got a stock motor Viper, yeah, you can make 11, 1200 horsepower on that thing all day long on a stock engine with right. turbos or a supercharger, and the thing will just go and go and go and go. And it's that's gonna be awesome. Fun. So it, it really varies by the, the platform, you know. Right. The Tundras, cut them off at 650 unless you want to put a built motor in it because, you know, <laughs> they're fun. I mean, how fast you really want to go in a 5,000 pound truck, you know? Like, yep. Most people don't really go as fast as they think they want to go because once they go that fast, they're like, man, this is sketchy. Yeah, this is kind of sketchy. What am I doing on 35-inch tires at 140 yeah. miles an hour? Yeah, we're actually uh, in development of a, a, a like a uh, shelf motor package for those. It's going to be a 1,000-horsepower capable motor. Build. That's wild. And we're just going to keep them on a shelf and just core charge, swap them out. And, yeah. You know, because the blowers are capable um that you know the whipple that's coming out for them the new whipple mm-hmm. is capable so that we've got the fuel system stuff sorted out we've got yeah um, the tuning what, stuff for sorted what, out. what trans do you use with that setup like the same transits in it really yeah. damn that's uh, badass. Up, to, up to about 700 the stock trans is pretty good as long as you don't take the torque management away yeah. uh, once you start once you start screwing up the torque management stuff and and um taking its authority away to protect mm-hmm. the transmission, you'll start having issues. Um, there's a company that builds those and up to about a thousand horsepower. So that's kind of that's the upper wild. limit. Yeah, That'd once you fun. get up there, you're kind of on mm-hmm. the, uh, it may or may not last kind of deal. Yeah, the wife wants a Sequoia. Hmm, I'm thinking now. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be yeah. a fun setup. Um, Six, 650 is easy on, on, on them, just out of the box. Like it's not. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, she definitely needs something to make 600, you know, like, yeah, the kids to school and you gotta get that milk home before it gets warm. <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, how many cars a year do you think you tune? Oh, that's a good question. Um, 
you know, I used to do a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But lately, because I've been trying to spend more time on development, I've actually, I've cut back to like one or two a day. Some some weeks I might That's only do. Nuts. So, some weeks I might only do like one or two a week, just depending on what I have on my schedule. Um, I do a lot more remote tuning now, yeah. um, which is it's convenient because I can, I can remote tune two cars at, at once and work on a project because mm-hmm. there's always time between runs and it yep. you know it's it's easier and if there's an issue they sign off they fix it they come back kind of thing yeah um but yeah that's, i mean I've, that's like 500 just doing the math in my head so it's probably like six or seven hundred if you're thinking yeah. about you know what i mean i probably don't do that many a year anymore but i there was a time where i was doing a lot i would i would do three cars a day for a while you know, sometimes yeah, crazy. Four, sometimes four cars a day, depending on the cars, you know. The car, yeah. Now, yeah. Um, percentage-wise, how many of those you think are, are above like 800 wheel? I would say the majority of the ones that come in for tuning, like off the street, are under 800. They're probably, mm-hmm. I would say, average between 6 and 750. Um, a lot of my remote tunes are 1,000 to 13, 1,400, and mainly because yeah, most awesome. of my – most of my remote team stuff is like two JZ stuff. You know, they're big yeah. turbo guys. They want, you know, they want to make the power. Um, most of the LS stuff, you know, the Dodge, the Chrysler stuff. I mean, most of those guys, they just want to make six, 700 horsepower and mm-hmm. enjoy the car and have fun with it. You yeah. know, the, those power levels of trans are pretty safe. The engines can take it, you know, no issues there. So I would say the majority of them are under 800 horsepower. That's um, awesome. Um, so tuned by JP was on a couple of weeks ago and he was saying the same thing. He said like 10, 15% are above 800 and yeah. it's funny because like, so that led us into the conversation of Facebook and keyboard warriors and I want to make yeah. a thousand, you know, a thousand horsepower suddenly became like the number, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so my, I've got a four, eight, 78 millimeter turbo set up in my 66 GMC truck that, has 1985 brakes underneath it you know what i mean like and it yeah makes, it makes <laughs> yeah. 500 wheel and will light the tires anywhere i want it to i can't imagine something with eight or 900 you know and for a lot of guys like me that daily drive normal cars you know i had a dodge avenger for a while that was just my daily because i had the old truck for fun stuff you know those guys get out of that and get into something that makes a thousand and it rains a little bit i mean you're oh really, yeah you know what i mean yeah. like there's a big difference so yeah. <laughs> uh, I know you're busy, so I'll, we'll, we'll end it here pretty, pretty shortly. But uh, what are the top like two or three cars that have come through the shop that have been your, your favorites? Um, well, the one I always tell customers about when they're like, you know, what's the perfect street car if you had a chance to build one that you had unlimited budget. We did a ZR1, C6 ZR1. And we did a compound boost setup. So it had the factory blower and we ran a flat factory blower around 12 pounds. And then we had a ProMod 94 in the rear and we fed, we fed the ProMod 94 into the blower mm-hmm. and it was stock crank. So we made around 1600 wheel. Um, and the thing Jeez. it made, I mean, I can't even explain it. It just, it made instant 12, 13 pounds of boost and the car is pulling, pulling, pulling. And as soon as you would like feel like, okay, that's about as hard as going to pull, the turbo starts to spool in the back and the thing just continues to pull, 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 pull. And honestly, that was probably the, the most fun streetable car that we've driven. Yeah. The thing was just, and it was manual too. So, you know. Oh yeah. Freight trains. Super fun. 
that car has been a lot of fun. Um, you know, uh, white rice has always been, uh, it has some sentimental value because we, we started, we originally built that car for Dewey back when we were, when Dave had the original shop with the guy that like ruined the business kind of deal. And we've, I've basically have been like iteration after iteration of that car from all the way from a, a nine second street car to an eight second drive it anywhere race, go run eight, eight 80s, eight 90s to drive it anywhere, run eight 30s, eight 20s to going sevens. And then we went from sevens to sixes really quick, like, cause we made wow. a big jump. We're like, you know, and, and so that car has got a lot of, um, a lot of blood, sweat, tears and time. It's, it's had, a, it's been a, um, it's been the platform that has um, enabled me to experiment the most and to learn the most on, you know, I, I've got to try a lot of things. We've had many different setups. We've been through countless engine programs. I mean, it's just, it's been a, it's, it's been a very good learning experience. Um, you know, it had the IRS, it had the ladder bar. Now it's got the four link, you know, it's like, it's just kind of been a little bit of everything that I've learned over the years. And so that's been a, a really special car. The one now that I'm really excited about is Jerry's Cadillac, the Lucifer Cadillac. Cause that thing is, um, is badass. I mean, HFR yeah. fabrication. When that thing rolled in, I saw the chassis. I was like, "Holy shit, this is a badass <laughs> chassis." That's awesome. I mean, the chassis was like, I, I was like, you know, when you get when you see something, it's just so awesome. Your eyes water a little bit. You're like, "Damn, oh, yeah. that is awesome!" Like the excitement is just like, "Wow!" And you know, the engine was not that great that came in it, and we got one of the top engine builders in the U.S. Um, in the engine program and that thing i mean it makes power to like 95 9600 rpm in an ls motor like without breaking a sweat um so right now it's actually the the motor came out we're changing the cam profile a little bit and we are changing the turbo setup slightly it's going to go back together and hit the track um that's so awesome. it's that thing should go really fast like i mean there's <laughs> it's there's just there's just there's nothing on that car that you would need that it doesn't have like it's got everything it needs to go really fucking fast so I'm excited. That's about awesome. That. And yeah, Jerry's cool. cool. Like the owner's super cool. I mean, the guy's just like, he's like, look, I want the best, baddest stuff. Like, well, I'll tell him like, Hey man, we're working on this. Like we could do it this way or we could do it this way. It'd take a little bit longer, but it's a little bit nicer. He's like, man, we're already this far. Just go ahead and do it the good way. Like I just want the best <laughs> shit, you know? And, that, and that's super easy to deal with guy. And, you know, honestly, I think by the third or fourth time that thing goes out of track, I'm sure it's going to be a, you know, a four, Oh, something like easily oh, that's wild dude it's it's, it's going to be a nasty car so excited that's about awesome that one. <laughs> right so uh what, what does the future hold for for pro speed what do you guys what, what are you pushing towards well we're we're kind of you know me and dave just had to talk about this a couple of weeks ago like we're really um now we're in a position where we can start pushing back towards our original goal like we want to be able to, to um, design and develop parts for various platforms and Honestly, at some point in time, like I don't even really want to deal with service anymore. I just want to, I would like to be able to pick and choose one, two, maybe three badass big builds a year. Just mm -hmm. focus on those three, those two or those three cars throughout the year and design and build parts the rest of the time. You know, that that's the end goal is to get, get to a point at which our product um, development and sales will 
basically that's what the business runs on and the yeah. car the building these badass cars is we're doing it because it's fun and it's something we want to do not because mm -hmm. we have to do it to keep the lights on yep uh, i think in that situation we'll have a lot more uh, room for creativity and you know it won't it won't matter if we spend an extra 10 hours on it because we don't have to build a customer for it it's like yep. you know what i'm gonna take a little extra time and do this anyways because i want to make it this way yep. and i don't really care because the lights are on, the bills are paid, money's rolling in, and yep. I'm doing this for fun, you know, and that, yep. that's kind of where I want to get with it. That's awesome. Um, all right. So the last four questions I got to ask everybody. So <laughs> what is, what is the fastest you've ever driven? Oh, I've, I've been about, I've been two, two twenty ish. Damn, that's there. fast. Yeah. On a <laughs> bike. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> on a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, and then when you're, let's say you're working on an old car, uh, which doesn't look like you do much in the shop. <laughs> looks like you work yeah. on nice, clean stuff. Um, are you, Oh man, we have some clunkers. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, are, are you a WD 40 or a, a PB blaster kind of guy? Ooh, that's a good question. It really depends on, it really depends on the application. I've, and they're both, uh, you know what I use WD-40 for is for cleaning shit. <laughs> mm, right. I use PB Blaster to, to break the bolts for? loose. Yeah, <laughs> yep. I use the PB Blaster to break the bolts loose. So. That's awesome. So are you a uh, are you a gloves or a bare hands kind of guy? I'm um, bare hands, man. I can't stand gloves. Got yeah. to touch it, feel it. Yep, 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 yep. That's awesome. And last question, and you've probably answered this already, but uh, unlimited budget, you're not having to pay for it. What's your dream car? To build or just to buy something just to have? I, um, I think at your level, probably just to buy to have. Because you can build it, anything. It, if you'd asked me like eight years ago, I would have said the McLaren F1, the original one with the <laughs> yep. center drive. Because that car was just such an engineering feat yeah. at the time. And, and even nowadays, it still kind of holds its own. But um, the car that I really if I had just unlimited money and I could just buy it, I'd buy a, a Lexus, uh, a Lexus LFA for yeah. the exact same reason. It's, it's not yep. the fastest car in the world, but man, the engineering and the detail and the artistry that went into creating that, that car is really just, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I just think it's cool. Like it was a hundred percent. They, they just, they spent so much time on detail and just, you know, it's one of those things. It's, it's kind of an art piece. And to be honest with you, I'm not the guy that would buy a car and let it sit in my garage. I'd beat the hell out of it. And it'd, yep, probably, end all up, <laughs> it'd probably be torn up in five or six years, but you know, I would get my money's worth out of it. <laughs> and, and have a hundred thousand miles on it. And everybody be yep. like, what the hell were you doing? Like, dude, I bought it to drive. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. That's awesome. Well, man, Hey, I want to say thanks for, for spending the time. I, uh, I hope uh, some folks listening learned some stuff about you and uh, we'll definitely come your way. Your shop is, looks amazing. So, if I'm ever able to get that far south and get away from the family for a little bit, I'm running over. And yeah, man, stop by. Just, need to just do it in the old truck. Just make a make a U.S. tour in the old truck to podcast guests. There you go. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to have you now that we've laid the groundwork for everybody to listen to your backstory. I'd like to have you on in the future. Um, I'd like to talk a little more about the manufacturing side of stuff and like how you guys develop parts and stuff like that. Cause I know there's a ton of listeners that are interested in that side of stuff, but I feel like we've got to get your story out first and then we can come back and build on that. So yeah, I could actually, uh, if you wanted to, I could get Dave to come on too. He's, yeah, he does all the, he does all the, I, I, uh, I'm involved in a lot of the, um, 
the idea side of things you yeah. know like we should do this this way this way he does a yeah. lot of the hardcore design like he yeah puts it in solid works and and lays it out and you know figures out that's how awesome cheap, the best way to manufacture it so it'd be <laughs> right. you know if you wanted to do that i could definitely get him into yeah yeah i definitely would love to do that i'd love to hear his story as well because you know if he's if he's that minded that yeah. side of stuff uh, i definitely want to uh pick that part of the brain a little bit too and a lot of times having two folks on at the same time helps because your your stories you know you remember a certain way he remembers a way yeah <laughs> it goes perfect so yeah. um all right well i'm gonna stop recording and then we'll talk for a second uh but I, the, we'll let these folks get back to to what they're doing all right man